0: together. Lord, that is the ancient claim of we, your people, we who are followers of Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we have come to adore him. We have come to celebrate the the reality of, of, of your being, Lord God, and the hope that you give through the love that's been revealed in your son and the life of your spirit. So would you now meet with us as we open your word? Holy Spirit, give me Your words to say to God's people, and Holy Spirit, give give insight to God's people into the truth of what is being said. And then, for those outside of 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 your family, I pray today, Lord God, that You'll bring some to life and adopt them into the eternal hope that Christ alone can give. So we look to You now to do these miracles in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you are now ready to uh, take this last turn as we head into the end of the year, and we begin to celebrate Christmas, which is one of the most wonderful times of the year, and I hope that you're excited, I hope that you're looking forward to to sensing and experiencing something of the greatness of God that that seems to only happen during the season of Christmas when we are mindful of the miracle of what God accomplished. And, and Christmas is a miracle. And we need to understand that even though there was some mystery surrounding the, the coming of Christ, that the reality of it was quite clear. I mean, you think about what we've been studying over the last few weeks If you've not been here. We've been studying the prophecies of Isaiah. We've been looking at between Isaiah 49 and 57, and we've been looking at these, these countless ways in which God told his people that God himself would become flesh. God himself will come and rescue a people for himself. And so, although there was some mystery around the coming of Messiah, the Lord, Christ, God in flesh, then there were also some aspects of it that were quite clear. And so also it is in the second coming of Christ. Yes, there is quite a bit of mystery. There are certain things that we certainly do not know. But there are many things that we do know. And primarily we know this. God promised that His Son would come and redeem a people. We we know that God kept that promise from the same Bible that said that God Himself would come. And the reason we have Christmas is because He kept that promise. That same Bible says He's coming again. And although we not, may not know all the details of His coming, we know for certain He will come again. And so what we celebrate at Christmas is not simply the first coming of Christ. We also celebrate... The second coming of Christ, because the same word that promised He would come has also promised that he would come again. and so this year I pray as we're looking at what's next as we finish this whole year of focusing on the reality of the return of the Lord, then, that we we'll would be mindful of that especially now at Christmas and what we're going to do over the next few weeks, just so you'll know as we're taking each step closer to Christmas, every Sunday morning we're going to look at a distinctive a characteristic or reality of God. Of Christ, of God in flesh, Jesus, and so today we're going to look at the reality of the fact that God is love, that Christ is love, and as we look at this reality, it, it's going to it's going to give us hope. Because here is what we know about reality. And I hope you know this. If you don't, I hope that you will give at least a listen to to this belief that we have, and that belief is this: is that reality is a love story. In reality, is explained and understood only through the story, the single story that is the Bible. Now, we know that the Bible is a single story divided into four parts, creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And what we celebrate at Christmas is the fact that God has chosen to come and rescue us. Love has come, but we also know that love has come again. We know the world is not as it should be. We know that the world was made to be in perfect harmony with God, but because of sin, we've been separated from God. But thanks be to God, he didn't abandon us. Instead, he chose to continue to love us so he's made in his image. And so we now have the truth of the fact of the reality of God's love revealed in His promise being kept sending in Jesus Christ to rescue us. And now we have the hope that he's going to come again because the same God who promised he would come the first time promised he would come the second time. And so now we have this hope. Love has come, and love is coming again. And we all sense it, and we all desire it, and we all long for it, and we're all looking for it. And here's how I know. It's because almost everybody loves Hallmark Christmas movies. (laughs) Let's have a confession. Who loves Hallmark Christmas movies? Raise your hand. Many men are raising their hands. Some of you men have been nudged by your wives or your loved ones telling you you are a lion in church. Because you love them too, and it's okay. We're not going to take your man card. Not here, all right? It's okay to love these Hallmark movies. I'm going to tell you why. Because they are pointing to the reality of the longing of all of our hearts. Now, all of them have goofy plots. I get it. They all have these different things. I get it. But you know what it all boils down to? You know what the same story they keep telling over and over again? is that there are people who are broken. They're either pursuing the wrong created things or they've lost the created thing and they're empty and they need something that can fill that void in their life. And the only thing that can do it is love. It's, the same, it's a different plot. It's a different way of coming at it. But it's the same thing. There is brokenness. And the only thing that can heal that brokenness is love. And that's why you love them. It's not because the acting is great. I'm telling you that right now. It's because the theme is so powerful, so personal, it's it's so desirable. It's the theme of love. And I'm going to tell you something. This is the story. That story they keep telling in different ways is the story of the Bible. See, the story of the Bible tells us is that all of us have in some way been pursuing either the wrong things or making too much of the wrong things or we have lost a a, a created thing and it's left an emptiness inside of us and we need something to fill that emptiness and the only one who can do that is God. There is no created thing that can carry the weight of your eternal soul. Please understand, everybody in this room, and this is going to make some of you feel really encouraged, it encourages me, everybody, every human being on the planet has a weight problem. Isn't that good news? Yes, yes. But understand the right weight I'm talking about. See, everybody has an eternal soul. And that is a heavy weight. That, that soul inside of you is eternal. and That's heavy. And there's no created thing, no job, no person, no position, nothing can carry the weight of your eternal soul. The only one who can hold you and carry you and care for you and provide for you is God Almighty. And only His love will satisfy that deep longing within your soul. And so it is good news for us. Love has come and love is coming again. And when this love came into the world, He said, I am it. I am what you're looking for. Listen to what Jesus said about Himself in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me." Jesus said, I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you need. I am reality. I am the love of your life, and I alone can lead you to what you desperately need. Understand, we are all broken. We are all broken. We were designed by God to be made whole, but we're broken. And and why are we broken? Because of sin. Now, sin... Sin, you have to understand what sin is. Sin is more than just the things that we do wrong. I know oftentimes we just think of, well, sin is lying and killing and cheating and infidelity and adultery and all those other things. And that's true, yes. But sin is also anything that we do that that relies on something other than God to get our identity and our hope in. So you can actually be pursuing a good thing. And that, because that good thing is not God, it's a sin, and it leads to brokenness. So, so here's what some of you are doing. You've set your sights on a relationship. you set your sights on a position. You've set your sights on your children accomplishing specific things. And when it appears it's not going to happen, or when it doesn't happen, or when it's lost, you die. Some of you are here today, and you would say, I, 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 I've died. I, I, I just, I don't even know if I want to live. And the reason why... It's because you have pursued a created thing other than God to define yourself by, and that is sin. And whenever you do that, it always creates brokenness, it always creates emptiness, it always creates pain, and and it's a punishment of your soul. But here's the good news. The gospel is Christ has come love has come and will come again. And if we will stop relying on ourselves and stop looking at created things and, and stop having our lives out of line, of alignment with God, and believe in Christ and give our lives to Him and receive His love, this love will fill our soul, it will handle the weight of our soul, and we will be able to pursue and recover God's design. That's the good news, and that's the story of Christmas. Now, it's a story to study this over the next few weeks. We're going to look at something that we've never studied here. At Living Hope in the 15 years I've been your pastor. We're going to look at the Benedictus, is what they call it. It is the prophecy given by Zechariah at the birth of his son John, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. If you've got your Bible, I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me now to Luke chapter 1. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at verses 68 and following through 79. Uh, but to understand that, we need to understand something of the background that builds to this this beautiful benediction given by Zechariah. Now, to understand, you got to go back to verse five. So, hopefully, you've got your Bible. We're going to do a little work this morning, so you'll need to be in Luke one, and, and let's go back to verse five. Now, here we find Zechariah is an older man. And he's been given the opportunity, as a Levite, as a priest, to enter into the holy of holies to, to light the, the, the incense, which was a prayer to God. And Gabriel the angel shows up and says, "Dude, good news! You're going to have a son, and you're in the name of John." And Zechariah, looking at his natural self, looking at things not from the reality of what God could do, but only thinking of what he could do, focusing on only on himself, says, "I can't believe it." And this lack of belief leads to a consequence. Whenever we don't believe, whenever we don't trust God, there is always a consequence to it. And the consequence for Zechariah was he was made mute and deaf. He was made mute in that he couldn't speak, but we'll see in verse 62 is that he also obviously could not hear. And so here is a man who comes in, basically healthy, who comes out, who can't speak and he can't hear, and everyone's wondering what's going on. What has happened now from that event we see as you kind of walk well, well, well through the chapter there Mary is told by that same angel you know, it's just funny think about Gabriel he's been sitting around for years and all of a sudden he's like okay hey uh, Gabriel let's uh, go uh, uh, we got work to do. He's showing up all over the place from, from, from virgins to, to old men to shepherds who are watching their watch by now that's a busy brother during the Christmas season. And so here he is and he goes and he talks to Mary and Mary sings her song and so she visits her, her, her cousin Elizabeth and then it comes time in verse fifty seven for the boy to be born. Now, this had to have been such an exciting time in their family. I mean, here is Elizabeth, considered barren. She's an older woman. Now here is her, her husband, and everybody's freaking out why he can't talk. What, why can't he hear what happened there in the Holy of Holies? And lo and behold, she's pregnant, and now she's going to have a child. And then it turns out it's a son. And this is so great because now it's a double blessing because now they've got a boy in the family. And the lineage continues on, and they're, they're so thrilled. And so good. once the boy is born, though, Zechariah still can't talk. Then you know there had to be some sense of panic within him because the angel said, hey, until the boy gets here, you he will not be able to speak. Eight days later, look at verse 15, eight days later, they go to name the boy. And everyone's so excited, he still can't talk. And they said, okay, what's his name going to be? Everyone expected her to say Zechariah. And then she comes out with some weird, whacked-out name, John. Now, to us, John is a normal name. That was not a normal name for them because there was no one in their family named John. And they even said to her, uh, "Elizabeth, I don't know what you've been smoking, but we don't know this name, John. This is a weird name. No one in your family is John. Where are you coming up with this?" And so you look at verse sixty-six, and they're making—I'm sorry—is sixty-six or maybe sixty-eight? They're making a sign to. Um, to Zechariah, because can't here, and they're signing to him, what do you want to name the boy? He asks for a, 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 some kind of a board, and he writes his name is John. And that would have been somewhat miraculous because they knew that he had not heard Elizabeth say his name was to be John. So now he's writing down the name is to be John. And no sooner has he written the name down than he speaks and said his name is to be John. So here is this weird, crazy stuff going on, right? Here's this older couple, they're having a son, the guy went mute and deaf for a while, now all of a sudden he's talking, they're using some weird name, John, to name this boy, and so it says in verse that the whole community's talking about it, which of course is exactly what God wanted. He wanted everyone to know that there was something special about this boy, because he was to be the forerunner to announce the coming of the Messiah. He was the prophet who was promised to come before the Lord. And so now there is this big suspense. Everything is built up. And then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah provides this this spoken word, this prophecy, this beautiful Benedictus. This eulogy, which is the first Greek word there, of what God has done and what God is going to do, and so let's now look at uh, verse 68. I'm going to have Ansley Buchanan come up. Sweet so to come up, and she's going to read for us verse 68. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. This will be our focus text for today. Hold oh, on, I'm not there. It's, it's not a long verse, but it's, it's very, it's very heavy. Oh, it's so okay. good. Okay, all right, I'm there. All right, you ready? Go for it. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. The word of God, thanks be to God. Well done, Ansley. Such a long trip for such a short scripture, but it's important. We go ahead and and have a seat. Let's let's talk about it. You know, guys, it's so hard to understand the power of this. God had been silent four hundred years. Four hundred years. What was going on in 1616? Does anybody know? Does anybody care? No. I mean, some historians do, but we don't want to talk to you. 400 years, no word from God. Here's Zechariah, silence for months. And now suddenly the silence is broken. God has now spoken. Now there is a word, there is a prophecy, there is something. And what we are hearing is love. Has come. Love will come again. Love, love changes everything. It's amazing. You see a young man, a young boy's growing up. Mom's got to like threaten him to get him to take a shower every day, put on deodorant, brush your teeth, brush your hair. Would you please? And then all of a sudden one day he comes down, teeth brush, deodorant on, hair brush, extra smells. Right? He's got on too much cologne, and it's like. What happened to you? And then the mother thinks, I've done such an incredible job. I am so glad I've been here. And then, all of a sudden, there's these text messages that are coming in and out. And all of a sudden, everyone realizes, oh, there's a girl. And then somewhere in the city, there's a girl whose mother is like, why is she happy all the time? What's going on? Why is she clipping her hair all the time? Why? Why is she so secretive all the time with that? But what's going on? Love makes normal people weird. Have you noticed that? Love brings out some of the most funny and amazing characteristics. But you find a man or a woman who fall in love, it changes everything about their life. It changes their longings. It changes their dreams. It changes their trajectory. It changes everything. That's what love does. And when the love of God, and Jesus Christ enters into your life. It changes everything. And the blessings are beyond my capacity to explain. But looking at this text today, I want to show you three. I want to show you three blessings that that, that we've got to get and we, we need to hold and we need to see. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Notice, love has come, and love will come again. So first of all, leave your doubts in the past. Leave them. You think about old Zechariah. Zechariah was a wise man because he didn't get hung up on the fact that he messed up. He got over it. He moved on. You know, he didn't dwell on the fact that yeah, I didn't believe when the angel came. He wasn't sitting around feeling sorry for himself because he hadn't been able to speak or here for the past several months. No, no, no. He got to the place where he said, you know what? It is what it is. What has been has been for God's purpose and God's blessing. But now it's time to move on. Now we've got to get past the past we've got to leave our doubts behind and we've got to leave them in the past and we've got to move forward friends it's so easy to get bound up but here's where I know some of you are today some of you are bound up in the failures of your past you messed up but I want to tell you that that failure need not define you it can bless you Failures can be some of the greatest blessings we ever experience in life if we let them be. Not only failures, but fears. Some of you have been hurt, and you, you're afraid. You're afraid to, to step into another church congregation and be a member because of what happened in the last one. You're afraid to serve in a capacity because it hurt. You're, you're afraid to let your heart out there to engage with other people because someone hurt you. And you've got to understand, hurting people hurt people. And so some of you, you have that fear inside of you. And so love is crippled because you can't, with faith, trust in the love of God to move you forward. And so, so some of you are hung up with failure. Some of you are hung up with fear. Some of you are just frustrated. And you're frustrated that you have not fulfilled the plans that you made in the past. You know, isn't that so smart of Zechariah that he didn't say, Well, I didn't want to be a dad at this age. I didn't want my life to go like this. I didn't want to miss out on speaking and hearing. I didn't want to, this isn't what I joke. Instead, he just looked to God and said, Praise be to God. He has a plan for my life. Praise be to God. I I need not stay stuck in what was. I can now embrace what is and what will be because love has come and the love will come again. And and some of you, you're you're just worn out with the fatigue of the past. You're just tired. You're just tired of running it. You're tired of dealing with it. You're tired of messing with it. You're tired of the same old, same old. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. But you know what love can do? It can fuel you. It can guide you. It can bless you. But you've got to believe got to trust in what love can do. You've got to trust in what God can do. You think about Moses and the Apostle Paul. Their past very easily could have hung them up and kept them from pursuing and becoming a part of God's grand design to bring salvation and truth to the world. But they didn't, because they left it behind. Here's what you got to understand. Your past can be one of the greatest means for you to do ministry. We have two ministries in our church that impact people's lives in a very powerful way. One of them is grief share, and the other one is divorce care. And there is is a crippling pain that occurs with people who lose loved ones or who lose their identity because their identity was wrapped up in a job or a position or a person that they no longer have, and there's grief. And we have people that have been through that grief. And this past, over the past few months, they've been walking with people through grief share and their pain has become a ministry. Their past become a means by which others can be blessed. Same thing with divorce care. We have men and women in our congregation who've gone through the pain of divorce, and they now provide ministry for those who are going into or coming out of divorce. And rather than allowing their past to, to keep them from pursuing and experiencing the love of God, and not, they're now able to say, you know what, this is not something I'm proud of. This is not something I would have chosen. This isn't what I wanted. But thanks be to God, he loves me still. So. And there's ministry in that. Some of you are hung up. You're hung up. And friends, you gotta let it go. Gotta let it go. You got to go forward. Now, some of you are really tangled up, and and that happens. It's happened to me. It's happened to me at times in my life where I was so tangled up I couldn't tell which way was up, and I needed to talk with someone. And so we we provide a resource here at our church as a counseling center, the Hope Center for Biblical Counseling. And listen, if you're hung up or someone you know is hung up. Please, today, go to the website, livinghopecares.org. Click on the tab that says Counseling. it will ask you a few questions, and someone will be in contact with you within 24 hours. Someone who understands the Word of God. Someone who understands life and reality and the hurt and hardships, Someone you can talk to. Or if you want to call, just call and leave them a message. Say, hey, I need to talk. You can call them today. They'll be in, they'll be in response to you tomorrow. here's what you don't need to do. You don't need to get stuck or stay stuck. Let me say to you this way: like, It's okay to be haunted by the past, but it's not okay to be defined by it and to stay there. you got to let it go. You've got to move forward. And because love has come and will come again, you can leave your doubts. You can leave it all in the past and you can go forward. The second blessing that you can have is this love has come and will come again. So lean into the hope of the future. Look at you know how he describes this. Look at verse 68 again. Look at the tense of these verbs. Blessed be you know the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. It's past tense. But when Zechariah wrote it, it hadn't happened yet. How can that be? We have to understand that when you live by faith, you can trust what God has said, and it is so as it has already happened. See, we who believe, we live in this reality. It's called the already and the not yet. See, we already have all the blessings and promises of God, we just haven't yet experienced all of them fully. And so, what we see happening here is he says, God would visit, God would visit. What's he talking about? The fact that God would become flesh, that that, that Jesus would live a holy life, and then it says that He would redeem, He would die for the sins of all who believe, that He would give them new life. And so here we are, many who believe. We're we are made righteous by Christ, but we're not as righteous as we're going to be when heaven comes. We have that already, but not yet. We're saved, but not to the extent we will be when Christ returns. So it's already, but not yet. We're a part of this family of God. And and yes, that's what we are, but not fully. Yes, we're a part of it, but not fully as we will when heaven comes. And and what we are able to do as God's people, because of the gospel, is that we can hold on to what he's given, but we can look forward to what is not yet. And what we've been given is enough to guide us, to hold us, to enable us to know how to live. But we have this, this glorious hope of a future, knowing that God's not finished yet. Do you live with that? Are you able to wake up every day letting go of the past and being able to pursue the future because of the hope and because of the love of Jesus Christ? This is the power of Christmas. This is what it means. Love has come, and love is coming again. We can have a new life. We can have a future that is driven by God. It may not go the way we always wanted it to, but we can always trust in God's love and his plan for us. The third blessing is this. Love has come, and will come again, so liberate others with the promise of eternity. Love has come to set us free from sin and death. Friends, we have a a city of people. We have a world full of people who have no clue that it's Christmas. There are some who have an idea that there's this economic opportunity, but so many have no clue. I heard, I hate to confess, I'd like cheesy, terrible 80s Christmas music. Does anybody else love terrible, cheesy? Just me? Okay, again, you're in church. Raise your hand if you've listened to an 80s Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, or something else Christmas song and liked it in the past. Okay, there we go. All right, I, I listened to this one, and some of you will know it. It was by this, It was, uh, it was by a bunch of pop stars, and I, I'm convinced they had no clues what they were singing. The, the, the song, they, the refrain they kept singing is, do they know it's Christmas time at all? So I'm listening to this song, and then all of a sudden I'm feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because it dawns on me, good grief, most of our world doesn't know it's Christmas right now. And the reason they don't know it's Christmas is because no one has told them about Jesus. There are people in our city today who have no idea what this means, that it's Christmas. They don't know that love has come and that love will come again. They, They like the idea that God is loving, but they don't know what that means because you have to understand, God is just as holy as he is loving. And because he is holy, only those who are made holy by faith can enter into his presence. But good news, the love of God has made it possible for us to be made holy by grace. But you know what? Most of the people that you're going to drive by next week don't know this. They don't live in this. It's not their hope. It's not their identity. There are people all over the world. And so as we come into this Christmas season, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to talk to people not about sports, not about politics, not about what you're going to eat. Talk to people about Jesus. Invite people to come and hear about Jesus. Give to the gift of Christ so that people can hear about Jesus. Go on a mission trip next year and go tell people in faraway places that Jesus has come and is coming again. Love has come and is coming again. And here's my challenge to you today. Believe this. Believe it. Some of you are embittered, you're in fear, you're in frustration, and here's why. It's because the weight of your soul is being placed on something that can't carry it, and it's disappointed you, and it's fallen through, and now you are where you are. But I want to tell you, the love of God can redeem you. You'll just trust Him. Some of you, you know of people in your life that don't know this truth. You need to pray for them. The last thing I want to ask you to consider is this. If you could get One Christmas miracle this year, what would it be? Two sides of this. For some of you, you're beginning to think about okay, Lexus or BMW. Let me just give you a heads up. If what your Christmas miracle is is about you and your selfishness, probably not going to get it. You might, but it might be a curse rather than a blessing. If your Christmas miracle would be something that would bring glory to God and blessing to other people, you have every reason to hope for it, to ask for it, and to expect it. What could you ask for, for God to do, that only God could do, that would bring him glory and bring God's eternal blessing? Would you pray for that this morning? Can you pray for that this morning? You can if you know that love is coming, love is coming again. You can if you see all of reality from that perspective. And it will transform your life. And I pray that it has and I pray that it will. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we thank you for this time to celebrate what you have done. Thank you for coming, Lord Jesus. Thank you that love is coming. Thank you that you're coming in again. Love will come again. And allow us now to live in light of that, that hope, of that reality, to get past the past to live in your love now with the hope of the future, and then to, to declare it to others, to, to make to make it clear that they might know what you've done. Father, we have just a minute to sing of yielding our lives to your hands. And as we sing of that, I know there's some today who need to come and say, God, I need to get over what has been and on with what you have for me. I yield myself to you. I give my, my life to the Father's hands. Others of you, they're ready, Lord God, to hear. They're ready to hear from you. They're ready to give to you this this great big prayer that would require a huge miracle. And here's what's good it's a small thing to you. So may you now, God, inspire some to ask you for the miraculous, for your glory and the blessing of others. God, hear your people as we praise you now in Jesus' name.